Wow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. Lord, your name is wonderful. Name above all names, Lord. Lord, we can't say it or pray it enough, but Lord, it is glorious to be in your presence right now. Lord, we ask you, Father, to fill this place, every crook and cranny, every part of it with the presence of your name, with the glory of the Lord. But Lord, there may be angelic manifestations here. There may be, Lord, uh, direct meetings with you and encounters with you, revelations from heaven that will now enable us to fall more and more in love with you, to accomplish your purposes, your divine knowledge, Lord, imparted in our hearts, that we may be truly sons of the Most High God and daughters of the Most High God, accomplishing that to which you've called us from before we were born. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Oh. Hallelujah. So I just felt I should start with a word. <laughs> See, I want to echo that the presence of the Lord is here. Amen. Just when you come into a church, you want to know the Lord, don't you? You want to know his presence and the cloud of his glory and the wonder of his anointing and just soaked in the love of the Lord. And that's what it's like here. And I just want to encourage you because I just felt the Lord say a few things. And um, you know, the Lord is passionate about this church, about this body of people. And I just felt the Lord saying to me that, uh, you know, there's some really mature Christians here. Actually, some of you don't think you're mature, but you are. You're deep in the Lord. And that your journeys have sometimes been quite painful. And your journeys have felt sometimes as if you barely knew God. But actually, you know the Lord. And the Lord knows you. And he knows to what you're called. And he knows your strainings. And he knows your travail. But you are doing good. And the Lord wants to bless you today. And he wants to say, well done, good and faithful servants. Because he is the Lord your God. And he called you before you were born. He knows all about you. He knows where you're going. He wants to encourage and restore some of you and bless you and know that all things work for the good of those who walk according to the purposes of the Lord, yeah? And there are special places for you because actually there are, the other thing I felt the Lord say was that there are uh, sheep who belong to this pen who are not yet here. And the Lord is calling those sheep and they're coming and you have to be prepared for them. And the Lord is preparing your hearts to know the deeper things of the Lord and yet knowing the simple things of God because there are the deep things of God so that you may be able to encourage because you know the first thing to be last and the last thing to be first? That's a challenge, hard saying of Jesus. But you know that God is calling even right now and, has, and, the, and people know out there that they're called here but they're not yet at a place where they can come here. And people here have known the revival and the blessings of the Lord and, and you know, nothing uh, is... God always has a purpose for everything, yeah? And you may have known the revival and the incredible blessing of God many years ago and you've gone through travail since then, but do you know what? God remembers that, you remember that, and God is going to take you from glory into glory because the light gets lighter and the dark gets darker and your lights will be shining like bright lights, like the morning stars, yeah? Amen. And, you kn and I want to thank Heidi and Andy. They're such an amazing and anointed couple, you know. They're very synergistic. They uh, are passionate for the Lord. They've laid down everything. 
And, you know, they're your appointed and anointed leaders in the right way. That's not controlling leadership. That is releasing and servant leadership. That's what it's about. So I really want to thank Andy and Heidi for giving me the privilege of actually talking here. So thank you. Amen. Amen. So, you know, it's uh, just my own little journey. I, I thought the Lord had revealed stuff in my own life many years ago and I thought I'd got it sussed, you know. But actually, some of you probably get cleansed and, and matured by the Lord. He just needs to actually take a little sponge and wash you and it's all dealt with. With me, he has to get a chisel and a hammer and even a kango to kind of chisel away at me. And uh, you know, what God is about is getting rid of me and replacing it with him, you know. As uh, both Smith Wigglesworth and Wesley said, let me die. Because it's, you know, and John the Baptist said, may he increase and I decrease. That's our prayer, isn't it? That we may be sh like shining lights in the universe. And there are basic principles that uh, are part of our faith that are so powerful and so meaningful that we can just meditate on them day after day after day. So what I'm going to talk about today is, guess what, the blood. And as I came in here today, Sheila said to me, opening word she was to me, she said, may the blood cover you today. So I thought, thank you, Lord, the blood. And what have we been singing about today is worthy is the Lamb. You know, when revival comes, what people focus on is the power of the blood and the worthiness of Christ and him dying on the cross. These are the revival themes. I can't remember whether it was the Jeffrey brothers or um, Evan Roberts, but just before the revivals broke, one of those mighty men, there was a church meeting, I actually think it was the Jeffrey brothers, and a lamb appeared on the wall of the church. It was the Jeffrey brothers. And the lamb was there for hours, and it slowly changed into the form of a man. You know, that was the power of God. When you listen to these mighty men and women of God, they preach the cross, they preach the power of the blood, and we go back to these fundamental truths of scriptures which actually just shake our cause and, and release the enormity of what God has done for us and what he wants to do amongst us. And so it's really important when we come to thinking about revival, to thinking about the basics, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. And I was really privileged that as a young Christian, the Lord showed me the importance of the blood and what it means in the spirit realm. If you, we, we just have no idea, really, when Jesus was dying on the cross as his blood dripped, the massive enormity of what that meant universally in the totality of the creation of the universe. You know, it says in, in Revelation, it's four. I think No, it's not four, it's eight, I think. There was silence in heaven. It's after the, se the seventh seal. There's silence in heaven. Can you imagine what was happening when Jesus was dying on the cross and his blood was being shed? Can you think that the whole of the universe was focused on that one thing? I think there was silence. I think the most powerful angels stood still and their amazement and the depth of the revelation of what was going on was just hitting them at that moment because only the Father knew what was happening. 
Heaven and earth literally shook at that moment because it heralded a new moment in the whole revelatory pathway of God, which was actually, it is finished. We can now have the way open to a new heaven and new earth. Amazing. Just awesome. And I said it last time, but the actual most, perhaps the most important verse in Scripture, Leviticus 17.11, which is for the life of a creature is in the blood, and I've given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. That's the enormity. So God was showing us in advance. You know, it says that the new is in the old concealed and that the old is in the new revealed. Remember that famous verse, word? You know, the Old Testament contains, concealed in it, the revelation of the New Testament, but it's revealed in the new. And God here was showing us and giving us a way back to him. You see, when God created man and woman, he created them totally perfect. And of course, you all know the story. We all know it. It's one of the most famous stories in the universe. Man fell. But God actually saw one righteous man. Now, the word righteous there is really important. It means unblemished. It, means, it talks about bloodline, actually. It talks about DNA, believe it or not. Now, my daughter, who's a doctor, told me this this week. I didn't know this. But did you know that your DNA has a musical signature? How about that? Okay. Neville Johnson talks, for example, about when we're walking in the Lord. Did you know that we actually romance, we, we have music in the spirit realm? That the Lord sees the musical theme of our walk with the Lord. And so do the demons. That's why they don't touch you when you're walking close to the Lord. So our DNA has a musical signature. You can actually have, there's a website, so my daughter tells me. And she promised me she was going to listen to this uh, talk. So I'm hoping, Sarah, you're right. <laughs> but our DNA, you can translate into a musical signature. And if you have the fingerprint of your DNA, you can actually get it. How about that? Your DNA has a musical signature. The way you get your musical signature from the DNA is because your DNA has a unique fingerprint. Your whole chromosome makeup depends on four proteins. And I won't call them, but I will name the letters. They're A, T, C, and G. And out of that, you there's a code for the music, which is unique to you. And that will translate into your musical signature. So we all have a unique identity in the Lord. Don't we? And God made us for a plan and a purpose, but he needed to redeem us because, as you know, we lost, if you like, some of our inheritance when man fell. But God always had a redemptive plan. And as you know, in Christ, redemption always gives increased fruit compared to the original. That was amazing. So our final destiny actually is infinitely greater than how Adam and Eve were created for. That, that's, what, that's what's so amazing. 
So you know when Adam and Eve fell, it says in the Bible, and this is really interesting, and Andy alluded to this earlier actually, it says in Genesis 3.21 that the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now where do you think the skin came from? We can surmise and we can think about that, but at the end of the day it involves the shedding of blood, actually. And you will see this, and it brings in the idea of a blood covenant that God was making with us. And in, throughout the Old Testament, you will see that God has made blood covenants with various people. You can see them quoted in the Bible. Genesis 8.20, Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings to them. You can see it with Moses when uh, after God had given the Ten Commandments. You can see it as the covenant between Jacob and Laban. He offered a sacrifice there in the hill country and invited his relatives to a meal. And also, you know when you ever have a blood covenant, also there is the concept of a meal. And that revelation of the importance of the blood, as Andy said earlier, was given to Abel, but Cain missed it. So it says in Genesis... In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering. So have you ever thought about that? Here's Cain and Abel. They're bringing offerings to the Lord, both of them, but one is accepted by the Lord and the other one is not. And actually, how did Abel know what to give and Cain didn't know what to give? you ever thought about that? So I have loads of times. And Andy alluded to it earlier, it is, I think it's twofold. It's revelation, yeah? Abel had a revelation of the importance of sacrifice as an aroma that is reaching up to the Lord, which Cain didn't have. There is an idea, an implicit probably, that somehow Adam and Eve may have taught their children about it because the Lord had already put skin coverings on them. So Cain became incredibly angry, did he not, and ended up murdering his brother. And Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man. And by faith he still speaks, even though he's dead. It's all by faith. Our faith in the blood is by faith, by faith, by faith. But always faith in, in, it includes an action by us. You know, we have to activate faith. And therefore we activate our faith to receive what God has got for us, which is what Abel was doing. So by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. And there's another thing here that's implicit, is that there's a big difference between presenting what the Lord's demanding and merely giving a present. So the Lord demands sacrifice. And that speaks of our lives before him, doesn't it? That we have to live our lives as living sacrifices presenting our bodies as living and holy unto him. That's what we're called to do. And the reason why I'm speaking about this is because we are preparing for something. We need to remember 
the basic things that enable us to walk again in the Lord and deeper in the Lord. And they are, you know, the blood is so, so, so important. Now, here's things that really, ex- something that really exploded on me, me this week when I uh, read this again in Genesis. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land and I'll be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. Now that has spiritual significance. Um, You know, when I was baptised in the Spirit, in fact, my wife was baptised. You know, this stuff's real. So we were baby Christians and my, uh, you know, we thought, my wife said, there's something missing, there's something missing, there's something missing. We had a doctor and his wife staying with us, godly man and woman just come back from mission work in Zimbabwe, actually. And they said to us, have you been baptised in the Holy Spirit? And we said, well, we're not quite sure what that is. So they read us all the scriptures from the New Testament about baptism in the Holy Spirit, starting with Acts chapter 2. Awesome stuff. So they then said to Denise, my wife, do you want to be baptised in the Holy Spirit? And Denise said, yes. Well, they laid hands on Denise and I heard this, literally that, entering into Denise. The power of the Holy Ghost. The audible sound, like the blowing of the wind, entering into my wife. And at that moment, she went, oh. I have just been cleansed like a vacuum cleaner cleanses you. That is exactly what Denise said. I saw the power of God right there in our bedroom. So I thought, hmm, (laughs) I want some of this. (laughs) So he laid hands on me and, you know, we were baby Christians. We had no theology, okay? So he laid hands on me and I got pushed to the floor under the power of God and then I was delivered. Just unbelievable screaming coming out of my ho- mouth. I was couldn't understand it. But at that moment, the Lord showed me hell and he, I experienced separation from God. And that's what this verse speaks of. If you are not saved in eternity, you will be like a restless wanderer, never, never finding rest ever for eternity. That is the horror of hell. It is separation from God. And it is torment beyond recognition. See, everyone has a choice during this lifetime of knowing Jesus or not. And after I experienced that, and I can tell you, I was screaming beyond understanding at this moment for that 30 seconds or whatever when I was experiencing separation from God. And I was a baby Christian. And I can tell you that the reality between heaven and earth, or if you like, the spirit realm and the earthly realm, I couldn't distinguish. I couldn't even make out whether I was existing in the physical form at that point. It was terrifying. And then I encountered the peace of the Lord. Unbelievable, unspeakable peace of God fell on me as the power of the Holy Spirit came. This stuff is real, isn't it? You know that. Every one of you has got a similar testimony. 
and this demonstrate that the word of God is true, that we have to listen to it. This is God's message to us and to every person. You know, what's happening to this book right now? People are speaking against it day and night. We are mixed up. You know, you open the doors of hell when you, dim- when you actually turn against the words in this book. We see it in our schools. We see it in the world. People are arrogantly and in their pride saying this is not true. But this is our reality, which is always demonic. And when you start thinking about one particular way, you open the door, make contact with it, and the demons love it. And you know what the demons need, by the way? So we're talking about the blood. And we're talking about the real blood. But why are there terrible rituals like we hear about and read about in witchcraft and other things? Abortion, by the way. What's abortion about? Blood shedding. Because demonic needs to get its energy from the blood. Yeah? That's a spiritual principle. So that's why there's so much abortion. You know, when I was a young baby Christian as a doctor in my clinic, it's my privilege to have a mighty man of God as one of my patients. He he was, um, you know, moved in signs and wonders and everything. And he he leant over to me in my outpatient one day. And I hope you hear me here, what I'm about to say, because God is a redemptive God, yeah? He is a blessing God. He is a loving God, and he is completely out to save you and me to the uttermost. But it does mean that we have to confess our sin. Doesn't it? Do you understand that? So he said to me that when women had to confess to having had abortions, they had to confess to the sin of murder. Now he told me this 35 years ago. And that when women confessed to that sin, they'd get released instantly often de- needing deliverance. You know, that's how, that's how serious we are about following God, aren't we? We want to be, you know, here this morning was the wonderful and awesome presence of the Lord. And it is to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. You know, when uh, God, he gave Abraham a promise, didn't he? And he eventually had a son, the promise, the son of promise called Isaac. And what was one of the things that he had to do with Isaac? He had to take him up onto Mount Moriah. And he had to be ready to sacrifice his son. And at the last minute, God provided a ram out of the thicket, which was the burnt offering. But God went further than that. You see, he did not permit Abraham to sacrifice his son in the end. But God was prepared to sacrifice his son for you and me. So I'm just wanting to introduce here some of the concepts of the blood. uh, And I don't know if we're going to get through to the kind of fulfillment of it this morning. But then 
we'll have another talk and then we'll get into the practical of it as well. Um, jumping on just to understand a little bit about what God was doing when he was preparing us for the way of Jesus. You all know that in Exodus, I think it's 7, 8, 9, etc., there were the ten plagues. You know, when uh, uh, Moses went to Pharaoh and said, set my people free, basically. And Pharaoh said, no, so ten plagues were sent. And the tenth plague, you will remember, was the firstborn, the plague of the firstborn. And you have to ask yourself, therefore, how were the children of Israel spared from death? So what did God say? God said, you take a year old lamb, which was unblemished, you keep them for four days. On the 14th day of the first month, you then sacrifice the lamb, sprinkle the blood on the top and the doorposts. You roast the lamb, you have unleavened bread, and you prepare to leave quickly. With the, the Bible says, you know, your cloak or your tunic tucked into your belt, yeah? And the Bible's really clear, says the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. You think about that. You see, when by faith you apply the blood to the lintel and the doorposts, the angel of death passes over you. And one of the l learnings about that is when you know there's real power in the blood. Do you understand this? There is awesome power in the blood. And when, when God sees the blood over you, he doesn't see anything in you of history. The scripture is really, really clear. He sees you as a bright morning star. And actually, if you try and remember your sins before the Lord, that is... Insult, an insult to God because God has cleansed you by the blood of the Lamb and when you are set free he you are presented with him as it says in Col to him as it says in Colossians without blemish and free from accusation okay so who is the accuser of the brethren Satan what's it say in Revelation 12 verse 11 they overcame him the accuser of the brethren, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and love not their lives so much as to shrink from death. So the blood, when God sees you covered by the blood, he sees you without blemish. There is nothing that he can see. He has forgotten it. That's what it says in the Psalms. There is no longer any stain or any blemish. And that is what he was showing when actually he was passing over the people of Israel when they had put the blood on their doorposts. So we have to apply the blood regularly. Do you know, I have for years daily prayed for the blood on my children, on my house. I won't say I've done it daily over the last year or so, but for years and years and years and years I have prayed regularly for the blood to be applied to my house and my family. You know? I used to pray, I'm sanctified by the blood. I still pray, by the way, <laughs> about sanctified by the blood, cleansed by the blood, that I'm without accusation, that I have entrance into the most holy place by the blood of the Lamb. 
And I used to pray regularly, Lord, I pray, and I pray, sorry, I used to, I still do regularly, but not on almost, I used to do it daily and often more than daily. But I used to pray for the blood to cover the roof, the windows, the doors, the ceilings, the floors of my house, the boundaries of my house. The power in the blood, you know, and to just as a, another little testimony, it was my privilege to, uh, there's a guy in our church that I was one of the leaders of who's older than me, much older than me, and um, it was my privilege to see him when he was dying in hospital. I knew him well and I worked in that hospital and I didn't realise it, but uh, on the day he died, I went to see him. And he had tubes coming out of his body. He could not get out of bed. He was well in his 80s. And there he was trying to raise his hands and he was praising the Lord, singing, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. And his son was there, not saved. I knew he wasn't saved. And I said to David, I said, well, you know, see you tomorrow. And, 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 I thought, and he said, pray for me. He said, pray for me. And uh, it was an awesome privilege and I thought wow he's asking me to pray in front of his unsaved son so I prayed for David and we prayed about I can't remember what I prayed really but it was about heaven and because he was he was welcoming the angels he couldn't wait to get into heaven couldn't wait and uh, I I walked out and I was weeping I was weeping the nurses were there and I was trying hard not to and uh, unbeknown to me, you know, that was, that was the last time I saw him. He died about an hour later, a couple of hours later. And it was such a privilege. But this man's testimony was, he was used a lot in deliverance when he was a younger man. And I remember him saying to me that when the people who needed deliverance would come into his house, all they could see was the blood on his house in the spirit realm. They would see the blood covering his house. That's the power of the blood. You know, the demons can't see you if you're covered by the blood of the Lamb. So what's it mean to be covered by the blood? I mean, I've been talking about it, and it, it really means appropriating everything on the cross. And that is protection, forgiveness, grace, redemption, cleansing, sanctification, dwelling in God's victory and his presence, yeah? And it is in the, pre the only way to get into the presence of the Lord is by the power of the blood. It's by the blood. You know that because when you used to go into the holy place, what did the priest do? He did it by way of the blood. Yeah? And what really helps us to understand the blood and the cleansing from the sin is one of my favourite chapters in the Bible is Leviticus 14. Now, I don't want to go this in detail because this is teaching more than anything else. But you remember that when the leper comes from outside the camp, the priest has to do a, a few specific things. Do you remember? All significant of what Jesus did on the cross. So he had to bring with him, t the priest took two living birds, he had cedar wood, scarlet and hyssop as part of the ceremony that he had to do to cleanse the leper. Yeah? And the two living birds, one he, cr he actually sacrificed, the other he let go, speak of the death and resurrection of Jesus. The scarlet speaks of the blood, high sought purity and faith. Amen? And the cedar wood, which he used, speaks of the cross. 
So we can learn a lot of our symbolism from what it says in the Old Testament. And it says in Leviticus 14, the priest shall order that one of the birds be killed over fresh water in a clay pot. He is then to take the live bird, dip it together with the cedar wood, the scarlet yarn and the hyssop into the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And then he's to sprinkle the one to be cleansed seven times, speaks of completion. And Andy again alluded to this earlier, but you know, I, actually Christ's blood was shed seven times on the cross. Did you know that? You can count them. So before the cross, actually, he sweated blood. His face was plucked with the hair, uh, the hairs, causing blood to flow. His head, the crown of thorns. His back, with the stripes, beaten. Do you find it really interesting there's music going on outside? Is it? Is it the kids? I thought it was <laughs> me. Last time I, pre I preached loudly in the Rock of Gibraltar, suddenly there was all this uh, music that started that completely drowned me. Back, hands, feet and side. So there are the seven times that Jesus shed his blood. And once that happened, by the way, the leper was allowed back into the camp. But that wasn't the finish of it. The, uh, the, when the leper came back into the camp, actually he had to come in with further offerings and they were sacrificed and the, and the priest anointed, do you remember, the right ear, the thumb, the right thumb and the right big toe. And then after that, he took oil and put oil over the blood. Yeah? And what do you think that signifies? So the ear, the, we're protected from hearing the voice of the enemy. That's what the blood does. The thumb, protected from the works of the enemy. And the feet is, is if you like, protection from walking in deception. And then we're covered by the anointing which enables, therefore, expands what the blood has done. So we can really hear the voice of the Lord, we can do the works of the Lord, and we can walk with the Lord. That's the significance of that. So the, once the blood comes, then the Holy Spirit comes and anoints us. And that's what all of us want. And you know, with any move of God, we need to exercise and walk in the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that comes when revival arrives is that the Holy Spirit comes like wave after wave without us needing to almost do anything. We just have to be in a ready state. If you look at the Arla Lewis revival, you'll see that actually there was no preaching hardly. Dear old Duncan Campbell used to just come in and walk, happened in the Welsh revival as well, and saw absolutely nothing because the presence was so overwhelming that actually revelation was falling directly on the people. That's revelation for salvation, revelation of the love of the Lord. One thing that I just want to just touch on when Jesus shed his blood on the cross is this long word that you only find in a couple of Bibles. But it is it's the word propitiation. 
Who's heard of the word propitiation? So propitiation, if you look at the NIV, is not used. They used another word called atonement. Atonement, which is used in the Old Testament, means basically covering. That's what the word means. Okay, so he is an atonement for sin. He is a covering for sin. Propitiation carries with it an extra meaning. And that is the, that God's wrath was completely dealt with on the cross. So that we are no longer objects of God's wrath. We are objects of his grace and objects of his love. So we moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light by having faith in his completed work on the cross, which is when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Amen. So I'm just going to pray because I'm really feeling a bit of struggle going on here. So Lord, I pray, Lord, for the power of your name to come here and to fill this room with your presence and your love. That, Lord, the revelation of the power of the blood falls on each of us again and again. And that, Lord, Holy Spirit, you come and anoint us and fill us again and again. We love you, Lord. We want to feel the presence of your fullness in us. Lord, we want to know and understand fully your completed work on the cross. And we want to thank you, Lord, that we can't imagine enough what it was like for you to die for us, that your blood was shed for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, if Jesus died for us on the cross, shed his blood for us, he has done everything for you and I. When we get saved, we, you know, the Bible says if we, if we confess our sin and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, then we are saved. It says that in Romans. I'm paraphrasing, but that's... So we have faith in the atoning work of the cross. We have faith in the fact that the blood of Jesus covers us and therefore we're cleansed. And at that moment, what happens is that we become his. We become absolutely children of God. And that moment, our life of rebellion has, is changed to a life of serving him. And that's why we become living sacrifices. And our maturing as Christians is all about dying to the old man and growing in the faith of the Lord. And that's our challenge, that God's challenge to you and I is are we really there? See, it's one thing to be saved, but it's another to walk and grow in discipleship. They're two entirely different things. And as Neville would teach, you know, eternity is reality. Where are we going to be in eternity? Are we going to be in the outer court next to the outer wall? Or are we going to be in the most holy place? That's the challenge for you and me. You know, where are we going to be? Now, we don't need to have a mighty ministry or raise 30 people from the dead to make ourselves, if you like, qualify to be close to the Lord. What we have to do is actually obey and do what the Lord has called us to do. 
you and me. We have our own personal walk with the Lord. And we have to accomplish that. And the Lord working in our lives, everything we do on an everyday basis is an opportunity to grow in the Lord. So losing your car keys and not getting cross about it is an opportunity to grow in him. Yeah? So that you grow by faith. And you know, deep-seated in every human being is the spirit of rebellion. When we get saved, we get delivered from that. But to work out that deliverance takes a lifetime. Do you understand? And we, we know that because one of the, the deep things that we have had to kick out the church, something I've been listening to recently, is spiritual witchcraft. Witchcraft is all about, is simply control. And actually, it's all about me wanting it my way. That's what control is. And so God has been, you know, is, is, is dealing with kicking the witchcraft out of you and me and kicking, that means kicking the control out so that we are offering our bodies as living sacrifices. This stuff I learned off Derek Prince. I remember in the same way he talks about the Lord is for our body and our body is for the Lord, that we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Because he's done everything for you and I on the cross. And we need to remember that. And we need to walk in it. So when redeemed by the blood, we can say one of the famous verses that we all love, that I've been crucified with Christ and I, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Loved me and gave himself for me. <laughs> so when we have been cleansed by the blood I've been crucified with Christ that is given over to the Lord it's becoming if you like a bond servant yeah do you know what a bond servant is different to a slave different to a servant a bond servant you know in scripture I think it's uh, Deuteronomy 14 I think but it's where they put a hole in your ear and <laughs> put the peg against the doorpost. That was how you became a bond servant. You were released as a slave. You were released as a servant. You became a bond servant. You gave your life over to serving that person. And actually, there wasn't any salary involved at that point. It was like a covenant. And so what God is calling you and I to be are bond servants where we love the Lord so much. We will give everything over to him that his, his life becomes our life. And that's where the blessing is. And do you know, the, close, the closer you walk with the Lord, the brighter your light is in the spirit realm. I've been thinking about this recently. You know, it's not for this talk, but just think about this. In, in Genesis 15.5, it talks about all the stars in the sky. Now, to see them really brightly, what do you need plenty of? Darkness. Okay? So as the dark gets darker, the light gets lighter. That's a principle in the Bible. So as the church gets brighter, the remnant church, it will get brighter at the same time that the darkness is getting darker. So the Lord is preparing you and I to, for these cataclysmic events that are going to occur. 
And that's why it's really important that we again think of the basic foundations of the Christian faith. And that includes an understanding and insight of the blood. Hallelujah. Are you following me? You sure? When we get saved, we get sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, don't we? We've kind of alluded to that by when I gave you the example of the leper in Leviticus 14. And what's interesting is this seal remains until, until the work is complete. And the work is complete. In Corinthians 1.15 it says, In a flash in the twinkle of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with the mortality. And death has been swallowed up in victory. So at that point we become immortal. We no longer need that seal, if you like, because we're in the presence of the Lord forever, for eternity. I had a strange dream this week, actually, which I still don't fully understand, but I I was travelling a lot in my dreams, hither and thither, and at one point I uh, was travelling, walking, and I was in the spirit, but I had no body if you see what I mean. You probably don't see what I mean because you can't explain it. And I was saying, but I want my body. I thought in heaven I had a body and I have, I'm a spirit. Where's my body? And, and it must have been the Lord said to me, I don't worry, I've got a body for you and it's going to be so much more incredible than the body you had when you're on earth. Yeah? Amen? So we are going to be clothed with a body you know, the, the scripture is very clear about that. We're not going to be sign of some wispy spirit being in heaven. That's not what it's about. We're going to be able to travel between heaven and earth anyway. We may travel between uh, the dimensions. It's quite clear. And we're going to have work to do, by the way. It's not going to be a lazy place. You're not going to sleep all there. You can't play your harp every day. You're actually going to have work to do. And it's going to be a lot of work. And it's going to be great work. Remember this, you know, this is one, one thing I've dwelled on for years. The, the, the Lord's Prayer says, on earth as it is in heaven. It's, it's first heaven and then earth. So everything you and I do on earth is what's happening in heaven anyway. It may be blemished, of course it is, because it's fallen creation. But of course God has restored it and will restore it in the millennium. So if I'm working on earth, it's on earth as in heaven. There's work in heaven, guys. You're not going to get bored. It's lots and lots of work. And the other thing about this, by the way, about heaven, just because I do a bit of thinking about this, is increasing in the knowledge of God is going to take you eternity. Yeah? It's going to take you... to ev- the, the Bible says the Lord is new every morning. So, if he's new every morning, he's new every morning for eternity. You ain't going to get bored. I've heard Christians say, oh, is heaven going to be boring? You know, people do say that. God, I can't imagine spending eternity playing on the harp. can't imagine spending eternity drinking a cup of coffee. It's not like that. It's much, much, much bigger than that. It's basking in the glory and the love and presence of the Lord and doing his work. And we are going to have plenty of it to do, but it's going to be glorious. So, and, and, and the primary 
driving force, though, is the Lord wants to have a relationship with us. He wants communion with us. That is what, in the end, the blood is about. When Jesus died on the cross, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. It was the Lord that did it, not us. And there is the way back into the Lord's presence. And that's why death has been swallowed into victory. And I had a chat with a Christian this week. You know, one of the things that we all have to face, well, actually, I've got to be careful here because this generation ain't going to see death. Okay? There's a generation that will not see death. But people do die. That's a paradox. I understand that. But in Christ, it is not about dying. It is about moving into the next realm. Through the portals. Okay? When we go to glory, we go through a portal. John makes this clear in Revelation. Have you ever thought about fire tunnels, by the way? You know, people did fire tunnels about 20 years ago. You ever thought what a fire tunnel was? I spent years thinking about this. What's a fire tunnel represent? Why did people do fire tunnels? They didn't actually know why they were doing them. They just knew that actually when you did a fire tunnel, the glory fell, the presence came, and the, and, and, and the tangible presence of the Lord seemed to intensify in a fire tunnel. So I knew all that and loved them, but didn't un- and I spent years thinking, what's a fire tunnel? It's a portal. The Lord was playing with us, but showing us that he's a portal. And we know that portals are there. Many places in Scripture, Revelation chapter 1 is a great place to start. So when we go to glory, it's a transition. Yeah? It's a transition. And you go into the presence. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So I just want to finish with this. Do I want to finish with this? Hang on a minute, let me just... I just want to give you another... Um, personal experience. Are you okay with personal experiences? We were renaming our church. Um, this was in 1996, I think. So it's you know over 20 years ago. We were renaming our church Emmanuel, and we had chosen. And Emmanuel means God with us. And we had chosen as a logo, Holy Fire, if you like flames that was our logo beautiful logo so we had a meal as a big church because god loves meals doesn't he he loves communion that's what we allude into you know that's that's all the you know it's in passover it's the lord's last supper it's the lord's supper isn't it so we were having a meal and at the end of the meal we had bread and wine Now, through the blessing and stuff that uh, occurred in the 1990s through Toronto, the Lord had shown me that the blood, two things became very special to me. Holiness, which I talked about last time, and the power of the blood. And we were sharing our wine, and the power of God fell on me like I've never experienced in a way that... You know, I'd never had before. And the power of God fell on me. I 
slid under the table, under the power. I literally couldn't move. And then I got baptized in fire. Because the, the Bible says I'll baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Yeah? This is all biblical. And I literally felt on fire. Literally felt on fire. And I could feel flames coming out of my, fa my face, out of my hands, out of my feet. And I was carried out the room because I was being quite vocal. <laughs> and, and I was carried out and I had the fear of the Lord. I had the fear of the Lord. And the awesome presence of God was on me. And it was a baptism of fire. And it's what happened when I shared, when we took communion, when, the, when I started to take the wine because of the power of the blood. And it was just learning something about the blood. Then I was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Then I was set on fire. Because, you know, we want to be on fire, don't we? We want to die to self. We want to be on fire. That's what we want to be. Amen? You know, when the Lord showed up to Moses, the burning bush, it was fire. You know, when the tongues of flame were associated with Pentecost, it was fire. We talk about God's refining fire. So it's God's desire to baptize all of us in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, I have to tell you that, you know, we have these experiences in the Lord, but actually... It's not the experience that is the issue. It is actually the fruit of it. That's what's important, is the fruit. And, you know, God takes us on different journeys of refining and shaking and turmoil. And they are all for a purpose. You know, everything that you and I go through is for a purpose. It's for redemption. God is a redeeming God. God redeems everything. Everything, 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 everything. There's no such thing as failure in God's kingdom. You know, God allows to produce. And that is a really important take-home message. I don't mind what you're going through. And, you know, I see people go through terrible, terrible terrible stuff yeah you know I'm being really honest I pray that I don't <laughs> you go through some of the stuff that I've seen people go through you know awful stuff but in Christ it's always redemptive that's the thing that we have to hold on to I remember Neville Johnson sharing something about the fact that he uh, met um, Andy, help me here. Smith Woolsworth's friend, Lee, uh, Leslie Smith Woolsworth's great friend. You know him. Begins with an M. The, s the surname begins with an M. Oh. Leslie. Hmm? Anyway, this guy. <laughs> so Neville met with him in the spirit realm. And this guy. He'd seen Smith Wigglesworth's signs and wonders and awesome stuff. He actually ended up dying with cancer. And you know, that's a mystery, isn't it? But what Neville Johnson was told by him, Summer Will, Summer... You know him, Andy, you do. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all right. That the law, it was like his... Huh? Summer Will. So what the Lord was showing him was it was one final 
refinement for him before he entered heaven. See, yeah. Neville Johnson spoke at it at your conference in 2013. I've listened to it about. But yeah, so it's an interesting thing that we all have a unique journey. That doesn't mean that, you know, we all go through that because God wants us to be whole and blessing, yeah? And, and wants us to be completely uh, refined in him. For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. That is what the Lord has given us. That's what we did at the beginning of this meeting. And it's what we need to know. So we need to know and understand that Christ has done everything for us on the cross. Utterly and completely. That our past sins are cleansed totally and completely, assuming we've confessed. That we must know the anointing of the Holy Spirit, because it's first the blood, then the Spirit. And we also need to have an understanding of how God sees us in the spirit realm. That we are seen as holy and perfect. Yeah? That we're cleansed by him and sanctified by him. Should we just all stand up? Lord, I want to thank you today. Lord, we want to look to you and thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your finished work on the cross and thank you that you said it was finished and it is finished. I want to thank you, Lord. We ask you, Father, right now to give us a deeper revelation of the blood of the Lamb, of what you did for us, of how you shed your blood. And Lord, it is our heart's desire that right now, Lord, we come before you and saying, Lord, your will, not our will. Your ways, not our ways. Your truth, not our thinking, Lord. That, Lord, we lay down our lives. We offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And say, Lord, we pray that we fulfill, we pray to fulfill the destinies that you've got written over our lives. That we press onwards to achieve that for which God has called us heavenwards in Christ Jesus. To reach fulfillment, Lord, in you. Lord, so we ask you, Father, to really bless us and our families this week, to cover us by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, that we focus our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That this week, Lord, we will know that you've cleansed us from a guilty conscience and washed us with pure water that we know this week that the old is gone and the new has come, that we know this week that the reason the Son of God was crucified was to, Lord, defeat the works of the enemy. I want to thank you for that, Lord. I want to thank you that you have shown us, Lord, all that you've done. And ask you, Father, to fill us with your fresh revelation and increase in, Lord, in it, in Jesus' name. Amen.